you should not be manipulated uh, by the state with uh, putting pressure you uh, on your bank account and this is something what unfortunately cbdc is giving to um you know to any any state and it's always kind of you know provocation for every person who is in power to abuse power and make you basically the next slave and we none of us uh, wants to be slave right so um to speak in really really uh, like primitive uh, really simple language cbdc is, is uh, pushing us in a time of slavery where we completely completely dependent of someone's will and someone's uh, you know emotion or someone's uh, view how they want to shape this world if you want to be independent um people who shape in our lives we need to have a tool financial tool like bitcoin but on which you cannot put pressure and no one is staying behind it but all of us patent to maintain uh and to basically uh, put in force this uh, de- real democracy and this is not just words it's just real life and because i'm defending people who is uh, you know really suffering who is a victims of political persecution uh who are victims of torture uh, or political killings uh, or something uh, of some kind of this uh, abuses and i am also myself was a, a, pe- a person who i who was under huge uh, political pressure um i think this instrument is extremely extremely vital um and we need to unite our forces to defend it uh to have legitimate way how to use it and not to put in force um, and to make awareness uh, educate as much as possible people about cbdc's how it's harmful for, for all of us you should not be manipulated uh, by the state with uh, putting pressure you uh, on your bank account and this is something what unfortunately cbdc is giving to um you know to any any state and it's always kind of you know provocation for every person who is in power to abuse power and make you basically the next slave and we none of us uh, wants to be slave right so um to speak in really really uh, like primitive uh, really simple language cbdc is, is uh, pushing us in a time of slavery where we completely completely dependent of someone's will and someone's uh, you know emotion or someone's uh, view how they want to shape this world if you want to be independent um people who shape in our lives we need to have a tool financial tool like bitcoin but on which you cannot put pressure and no one is staying behind it but all of us patent to maintain uh and to basically uh, put in force this uh, de- real democracy and this is not just words it's just real life and because i'm defending people who is uh, you know really suffering who is a victims of political persecution uh who are victims of torture uh, or political killings uh, or something uh, of some kind of this uh, abuses and i'm also myself was a, a, pe- a person who i who was under huge uh, political pressure um i think this instrument is extremely extremely vital um and we need to unite our forces to defend it uh to have legitimate way how to use it and not to put in force um, and to make awareness uh, educate as much as possible people about cbdc's how it's harmful for, for all of us
Hello guys, welcome once again to Bitcoiner, the podcast for Bitcoiners. And uh, today we have the great pleasure to have Ludmilla. Uh, she is the CEO of Open Dialogue Foundation. And uh, here's, uh, here's now in our podcast to share her thoughts and talk about her experience, her rabbit hole journey on Bitcoin and uh, about her foundation. So thank you for being here. Thank you for your time and, and welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, and everyone, hello. I'm happy to speak to you at least virtually. Please leave your questions uh, after, um, you know, our video podcast and I'm happy to reply for them. So I'm human rights defender from Ukraine. Um, I'm leading a human rights organization working in many, many countries. We don't work with your countries, uh, uh, but um, we defend human rights uh, in uh, really the hottest points uh, for example, in Ukraine, for example, also we support civil society in political prisons in Russia, in Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, many, many countries, in Turkey also. Uh, and uh, for many years, uh, for us, it was quite unclear why and how we can defend our uh, financial rights, particularly when regimes uh, try to limit any kind of your um, attempt to, you know, to defend your money. And the first things was normally every regime is doing, they try to smear you, so destroy your name, destroy your family, and destroy your financial capacity to survive, to fight, um, and uh, to maintain your activity. So for us, Bitcoin became a financial tool, how to uh, basically be able to, to carry human rights in authoritarian regimes. And for me personally, even for in European countries, because um, in my specific case, three states like um, Kazakhstan, Russia, Poland, and uh, during Plakhatnyuk's time, Moldova, they cooperate together in order to deprive me the right to have bank account in my organization in Belgium. And they used uh, anti-money laundering and counter-terrorism regulation as a transnational tool for repression. Transnational, it means that... Uh, you can use it whenever you are, as you, if you are a dictator, and you don't have any capacity as individual or organization, human rights organization, to defend yourself, because there is no provision, no legal ground how to defend yourself. So my organization is working uh, with regulators in new countries to establish the right for individuals to protect them, not only on the EU soil, but also far beyond on... Um, even authoritarian states with uh, these uh, legal provisions. So it's very like short, but uh, for you, like background, what what uh, we are doing and why we started to use Bitcoin. Okay, perfect. And we're going to go deep and dive deep. But bef before that, uh, can you share a little bit about your background? Like where you're from? Uh, what do you study for all others? Sure. So, so people can know you a little bit? Sure, sure, sure. So I came from Ukraine, from Sevastopol. This is uh, occupied territory uh, of Crimea by Russian Federation for the moment. Um, I had quite difficult childhood, and this is the reason why I became a human rights defender, because I had to defend me, myself, I mean, my, my family members, people around me who wanted to use Ukrainian language, who just were identified with Ukrainian community at that time, even in uh, Sevastopol, and those who were fighting with corruption, who didn't want to be under 
authoritarian regime at that time on Kuchma and then Yanukovych with two presidents who basically violate systematically human rights. And for this uh, human rights activity, uh, me and also my family members, my friends were persecuted. And of course, it was natural that we started to defend our rights. And of course, for me, understanding that I have to take care about also my financial rights also comes from all of this uh, childhood experience. And this is the reason why I also established foundation. I was invited after being a quite active uh, uh, participant uh, and translator during Orange Revolution in Ukraine. Then Euromaidan, I was organizing humanitarian aid together with my organization, um, both for Kyiv, but also for other regions. We supported refugees uh, in Poland uh, coming from um, Ukraine, Belarus, Russia, since uh, the, early, the early days of Russian invasion to, to Crimea. We provided protective equipment uh, as organization, um, fundraising for these purposes uh, with its first tra traditional financial instruments, like, you know, uh, GoFundMe and others, but then mm -hmm. we found out that you can be basically deprived to have a right to fundraise if you associate it with so-called military conflict zone. And this is something what we also try to change um, because, and this is the reason why we also started to, to work uh, extensively and fundraise for really massive uh, scale uh, in Bitcoin and, and uh, Tether, USDT, um, because um, this is the only how you can operate 24 hours per seven, you can do it like cheap transactions immediately and buy very needed uh, protective and medical equipment to deliver it to every point of uh, Ukraine until it was occupied, uh, I mean, the territories until they are occupied by, by Russians. Mm -hmm. And um, this is something what you can do, even if financial traditional system is completely paralyzed uh, since early days of Russian invasion to Ukraine. Uh, and even you know now Ukrainian government, it's uh, one of the biggest um, case study when it used uh, cryptocurrencies, particularly Bitcoin and stable coins, to buy medical stuff, weapon even. Uh, so for the moment, Ukraine is the third place um, of adoption of uh, cryptocurrencies. Uh, of course, uh, we can... Uh, discuss the issue how it's difficult anyways because of regulation and some um, you know point of views of some con concrete people in the government uh, on the crypto but generally uh, ukrainians really understand the value uh, uh, because it's it became one of the saving tools uh, rescue tools uh, for for many of us since uh, early days of uh, Russian invasion first to an occupation in Crimea in 2014 and uh, mm -hmm. especially now in uh, since last year when uh, you know full Russian invasion happened to to, to to Ukraine wow yeah actually that that's really amazing and impactful because there are different ways that Bitcoin is uh, working in societies because for example it was made like a little tender but basically in small steps you know but in the case of ukraine it was more like it was used for its own purpose right bitcoin is used for a, yeah. a way of, to use it like a decentralization that no government is involved there's no central bank so basically i don't know if the word is it was like um not imposed but you had to use it because it was necessary right so uh, you have no other choice you yeah. literally has i mean when we started to fundraise for patronate our account was immediately frozen 
we uh, moved to you know GoFundMe again. It's frozen, but at the same time, it's huge discrimination because biggest organization, big, biggest, for example, uh, UN agencies, our biggest NGOs, they were allowed to fundraise on this platform, and we, as a small organization, we were not allowed. So we were capable to, for example, for the moment, fundraise up to seven million of euro and deliver seventy-one thousand of protective equipment um, to Ukraine uh, since last year. Because we were capable to transact thanks to Bitcoin and, mm-hmm. and stable coins like Tether, um, so without it, it wouldn't be possible. Just, just we would not have instruments for do, to doing so, you know. And many other Ukrainians the same. This is a huge problem, and and and, and in fact, it, this was the only tool for us to, to use. And I just um, want to mention because just recently, unfortunately, Ukrainian government took uh, really for us um, uncomfortable and. And, uh, really and un- un- not really understandable uh, move because they uh, with the pretext to fight with money laundering uh, with gaming uh, with betting they deprived uh, the rights for exchanges cryptocurrency exchanges to mm-hmm. cooperate with banks because banks participated six six main banks of ukraine together with uh, national um, bank of ukraine <laughs> participating in, in, in different kind of corruption schemes and uh, yeah. they just switch off for also exchanges from uh, our banking system and of course it's affects uh, extremely affect uh, the work of volunteers of human defenders those who fundraising in uh, bitcoin and, and then other uh, cryptocurrencies so yeah it's sometimes you you've got decision from the state and you don't, don't understand the logic honestly <laughs> it's even mystery for us we, we try to do something with this but it's so far coming very difficult so yeah so basically uh, i always ask to to my guest uh how was their rabbit hole journey but i think yours if you can share how was your rabbit hole journey but i think yours was real particular that use it in the real world and and no more of i think you had to use it. You had to use it, and at the same time, get education about it, right? Like immediately. Or how was your your rabbit hole journey? Yes. Yeah, exactly. One more issue why I had to use it. It was also because, um, uh, as I said, a few states were involved in persecution, political persecution against me, uh, mm-hmm. because of my human rights activity and also my organization. So at some point. Was, uh, at least four states. It was uh, Kazakhstan, Russia, Moldova, during Plakhat, New York Times, um, and uh, Poland, unfortunately, where you can see that from one side it's a democratic country in the EU, from other side it's actually started to violate human rights and rule of law since 2017, where was massive protests. And, yeah. and also this is a year when our organization participated in this protest, and I'm Ukrainian, been, living in Poland for more than 10 years. And after participating in this protest and speaking uh, in defense of rule of law and judges, independent judges in Poland, Polish authorities started to attack me. They called me a threat to national security. They started to smear, smear a huge smear campaign against me and my organization. And all of this effect um, that uh, at some point, because we defended our name um, and, and rights on courts and also international platform, we speak about uh, our persecution and persecution of such organizations like us, women rights organizations, LGBT rights, judges, prosecutors, uh, lawyers uh, on in European Parliament, Parliament of Council of Europe, many, many international institutions. And Poland wanted to stop me doing so. So they announced 
announced me as the threat to national security and placed me in Schengen Information System list ban. It's like, you know, only terrorists placed there uh, with no legal ground. And uh, this is the reason why I was uh, deported at uh, 2018 for three weeks uh, from Belgium to Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, I make this case uh, as much as possible loud. Uh, exposes a violation of um, uh, financial, uh, basically all all tools. There was financial institutions, there was uh, criminal institutions, um, and procedures uh, um, like you know anti-terrorist uh, legislation. So all possible uh, legislations were violated on my case, and my case became like a case study to reform Schengen information system. So no one after from foreigners would be um, a victim of this kind of persecution. And uh, I won all possible, um, you know, courts, uh, even against uh, deputy minister of special services in Poland. So imagine foreigner in European country, which is uh, accused uh, with all of this fake accusation, money laundering agents, uh, threat to national wow. security. And then you won this kind of courts with all top officials, even deputy minister of special services, you know, like who can be like more so-called intelligence right yeah. he has to apologize uh, to me my family and organization but at the same time you have no remedy how to defend your financial instruments because there is no legal provision no article in the law which allows me to restore my bank account wow. i'm sorry i'm in european parliament and there is uh, you know a lot of people uh, exactly in, in in the place where i am now so, um, and this, um, of course, affected a lot of me, uh, my organization, the people around me. And this moved also me to uh, work with regulators how to change this situation. And now we work with members of European Parliament, uh, with uh, members of uh, Parliament Assembly of Council of Europe, how to find um, actually improvement in the regulation. Uh, so we can have the right for bank account. But to survive during this time, until I find this, uh, um, you know, legal provision and, and this rule will be established, I use Bitcoin. Otherwise, I would not be able to survive. Just literally, I am in Brussels, in really a very heart of uh, EU, right? You see European Parliament flags, everything. But I'm deprived to have right for bank account in my organization is prosecuted uh, for political ground. Wow. And um, this is how you can find another use of Bitcoin, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, and uh, when it becomes your basic rescue, the last rescue you can use to, to, to survive. And uh, can, give you, can you give us uh, some, you mentioned some... Uh, examples that you were working on in, in different countries but right now in maybe in the last year especially in the current situation that is happening in ukraine can you give us like uh what is the role in bit uh with bitcoin and uh, the ukrainians and uh, to escape from the world of government oppressions and censorships and how they're how bitcoin could be a tool to help people to uh establish a new life in different places or escaping yeah. from for what's going on right now so uh, we need to clarify that ukrainians not escaping the ukrainian government from uh, <laughs> ukraine but uh, from russian uh, military yeah, aggression right mm -hmm. russian invasion so this is the first thing this is really important because uh, russia is committing war crime they're destroying our houses it's killing innocent people children particular women uh, you know destroying our hospital electricity everything basically and it's happening right now when we're talking to you 
Mm-hmm. And in all this situation, the only way how you can actually secure your funds, if you were capable to do it uh, in advance, it's uh, to move from occupied territory with uh, having your funds in your wallets and remember this uh, code uh, how to secure it because uh, of course this um, russian militaries uh, they check in uh, the buses uh, you basically move with what you capable to move with you you cannot take something more you you you're not able to move anything right from your house uh, uh, with all of these uh, conditions and another thing that uh, you never know what kind of uh, banks, what kind of institutions, houses are going to be destroyed the next day. So you basically cannot rely sometimes, unfortunately, for traditional financial system because it cannot exist tomorrow in, in, in a way you, you understand it. You don't have documents, you don't have uh, you know access to the anyway uh, this um, financial institutions you, you used to have and this affects you uh, of course uh, immediately and again if you move from Ukraine to for example Poland or to other countries and we have the biggest uh, relocation point uh, in uh, Poland uh, from Ukraine where we assist refugees uh, afterwards to be relocated to other countries and most of them are asking us also how we can do it in secure way until the moment we open bank account or they experience to have a problem uh, because, for example, they assumed by financial institution being a risk client just because mm-hmm. they were born like me. I was born in right? So it's occupied territory of um, uh, Ukraine for the moment by Russian Federation. And everyone who is coming from this territory by, fin- by a traditional financial system in Europe would assume risk client. So I can be deprived to right to have a bank account just because i was born in sevastopol and the same problem with belarus the same problem with many many others and of course sometimes if you don't want to lose your right to have bank account you use bitcoin as a bank of last resort and in many countries in you you don't have this clear regulation which gives you the right for bank of last resort and bitcoin became this bank of last resort but with upcoming regulation in Europe, um, and because crypto is going to be regulated, crypto assets, uh, like uh, European institutions codes, uh, is going to be regulated the same as traditional financial system, we work closely with the regulators to exclude overregulation, and we call everyone uh, to join our efforts because we need to explain that um, specifically for you know authoritarian states or you know like unstable societies where you don't have you just know you don't know what's happening tomorrow because of military conflict or maybe disaster or something you need to have uh, tools which would be always uh, in hand where you cannot use even cash you know mm-hmm. uh, because it can be also destroyed or you cannot just carry it uh, for for security reason and in this situation again bitcoin and stable coins is uh, the the only way how how you can survive and how you can transfer your value from unsafe territory to safe territory and again we need to have a regulation which allows you to do so in a transparent way not to be in a gray zone i know that a lot of uh, bitcoiners and basically crypto community representatives they don't want to work with regulators in any country but at the same time i think because we pay taxes because we um anyway we shape our future we need to enforce them to implement what we as 
uh, electors and those people who vote for them as those people who pay taxes and their salaries are based on our taxes. Uh, they mm -hmm. implement recommendations, not just like we exist uh, uh, and just, you know, protest and has it then doesn't have what we want to have you know so this yes. is my particular position okay and what are your thoughts about uh, the cbdc's and everything that it's they're trying to implement not just here in europe but in, also in the united states and basically in every government what what are your thoughts about it fail i'm pretty sure because you know it shows also um, you cannot force people uh but people have to first understand what is a cbdc because unfortunately not many <laughs> so i will try to do it as simple as possible i don't want to play any kind of financial experts and not in i'm just human defender so i will explain in my simple words as human defender why i'm afraid cbdc because for me, it's one more step to make us closer to concentration camp like in China. And we see how China is using it. China is forcing people to spend money. China is forcing people to afraid if their money are frozen just because of their bad experience or bad uh, behavior. You should not be manipulated uh, by the state with... Uh, Putting pressure you uh, on your bank account, and this is something what unfortunately CBDC is giving to um, you know to any any state, and it's always kind of you know provocation for every person who is in power to abuse power and make you basically the next slave. And we none of us uh, wants to be slave, right? So um, to speak in really really uh, like primitive, uh, really simple language, CBDC is. is uh, pushing us in a time of slavery where we completely completely dependent of someone's will and someone's uh, you know emotion or someone's uh, view how they want to shape this world if you want to be independent um people who shape in our lives we need to have a tool financial tool like bitcoin but on which you cannot put pressure and no one is staying behind it but all of us Satan to maintain uh, and to basically uh, put in force this uh, dem real democracy. And this is not just words, it's just real lives. And because I'm defending people who is, uh, you know, really suffering, who is a victims of political persecution, uh, who are victims of torture uh, or political killings uh, or something uh, of some kind of these uh, abuses. And I'm also myself was a, a, a person who, I, who was under huge uh, political pressure. Um, I think this instrument is extremely, extremely vital, um, and we need to unite our forces to defend it, uh, to have legitimate way how to use it and not to put in force um, and to make awareness, uh, educate as much as possible people about CBDCs, how it's harmful for, for all of us. Actually, you explained it quite well, because that's, that's actually what CBDCs are. So, yeah. And... Uh, and so do you also mention that about the regulations so what do you think are the main challenges right especially right now in in especially in the areas that you're working on uh in the terms of bitcoin regulations and uh, and compliances so for the moment uh what we see from the regulation upcoming regulation that um mm, 
the main idea is to put in a gray zone or just like uh, make really discriminatory rules for um, uh, crypto assets such like Bitcoin or stable coins. So this is the reason why we really need to explain case studies. What does it mean? How we use uh, crypto assets for good purposes. For example, we as human defenders, we explain how we use it for human rights in particular countries why we cannot use the traditional financial system. And there, for example, my colleagues from Belarus or from Russia, they or Turkey, for example, they explained that traditional financial system, once there was crowd, massive crowdfunding to support political refugees, lawyers, and family members of political prisoners in Belarus, it's um, the nation from over 60,000 people. Uh, and they did it uh, through Facebook, patronates and other platforms and mm -hmm. banks received uh, this data from this platform and gave it to authoritarian and every single person from all of these six been accused of financing extremism and terrorism um, you know movements which is absolutely fake accusation because this is just pe peaceful people protesting in the streets uh, to have uh, a rule of law and uh, human rights in their country and this is one of the bright examples where traditional financial system doesn't work it just completely doesn't work. It doesn't, you cannot secure anyone's right in any financial data with uh, current tra traditional financial system where dictators has full access to your banking uh, account and can basically destroy everyone who's supporting you, everyone who's working you, every your family members, because they know how you move, where you move, what you buy, and, uh, from where your sources and how you spend them, you know? And this mm -hmm. is extremely, extremely if you want to change this narrative you need to explain case studies as much as possible and unite your forces so both people from industry both people from uh, those who end users i call myself end user uh, because i use bitcoin and stable coins for uh, basically maintain my uh, human rights activity and even personal life so if you join these forces we capable to to win, uh, you know, to, to stop this CBDC fight and uh, to have our financial instruments defended. Actually, you mentioned that you use it, uh, well, basically in your, in your daily basis, but in, how do you approach to, I don't know, to all the, in every country that you are helping, how do you approach to people to use Bitcoin? Because the first time when you mentioned Bitcoin or stable coins people are they're not confident about it because basically there's a few or zero knowledge because it's too, it's too soon right even in my country it's like when they passed the law most of the Darwin didn't know about bitcoin and, and right now that's why another people from another country are going to El Salvador to make foundations uh to educate people so how how do you make the approach and how do you help them and to make that barrier disappear so there are two mainly i say kind of causes reason why people start to use bitcoin and why they don't use uh, to start bitcoin right first you why you don't use bitcoin because you have privilege you are kind of belong to limited uh, population of the earth that has access to traditional financial system and uh, anti-money laundering, counter-terrorism regulation or any kind of abuse of this regulation never touch you. So you don't have problems with bank account. You don't need to have any, you know, any other 
alternative way how to spend your money or how to keep your value, right? And another way, you were living in unsecure environment. For example, you are from Syria, you are from Turkey, where it's just, uh, you know, disa- natural disaster happens. Or you're in yeah. Ukraine, where the, basically uh, your neighborhood became an in, uh, invasion uh, and destroy and bombing your cities, your streets uh, and uh, killing people around you. And you need to find solution where traditional financial system doesn't work. Well, for example, you, me, <laughs> you're a human defender in the heart of Brussels and you don't have bank account because you are attacked with a transnational tool for oppression. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, you don't have this privilege anymore to have access for traditional financial system. And this is the way how you start to looking for alternative and you discover yourself for Bitcoin because this is the only actually tool which is, of course, uh, it can be uh, improved. And I know a lot of developers Developers are working to make it more easier to use, more convenient, right? But uh, at the end of the day, you have chose. Uh, you can, you, or you just don't have means to survive. You don't have any traditional, or sorry, you don't have financial in- instrument to to to, uh, to 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 keep your value, or you just have alternative, which is give you this right, you know. And um, this is the reason why. Um, I normally capable to speak with people in authoritarian states because mm-hmm. everyone from opposition, every human rights defenders, they asking me how I can protect myself. How can I? Mm-hmm. I'm accused. Uh, I'm a human rights defender, and I, my family members deprived the right to have a bank account. What we can do? How we can communicate if uh, a financial institution is blocking our fundraising campaign in five minutes? You know. So, and in this situation you have the only tool which is not able to uh, be manipulated with the government it's bitcoin that's it it's easy so people need to understand people need to be in need um and this is the main motivation how they involve in bitcoin you you can't force someone to to be in it has to be understanding that there is a problem and i need to solve this problem but you you can educate people and they if they have for example uh, capacity to choose and they know the privilege uh, which gave them uh, for example for bitcoin and what weakness uh, of traditional financial system they will do right choice but again education is key here yeah exactly and so how do you think the bitcoin is changing the way people uh think about trust and transparency especially in digital uh, access uh, beyond just financial uh, transactions this is something uh, I'm not an expert on this kind of stuff, honestly. And this is something I'm learning uh, because uh, from, from one side, I know that uh, mm, you can track every transaction. Mm-hmm. From other side, for the moment, authoritarian state cannot put pressure on Bitcoin to stop transacting. In my case, the most important to be able to transact, not like to hide something, but transact. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in all people around me, the main their problem that uh, regimes doesn't allow them to keep value and uh, to transact. They they don't do any kind of uh, you know activity. They have to hide, right? But uh, they need to have a right to have a bank account. Uh, I mean, like bank account, bank plus resources like Bitcoin, right? And and being able to transact and be able to um, kind of. 
not expose, for example, who donate their money and where they spend it. And and for the moment, um, with uh, all activities we were capable to, uh, once we started to use uh, Bitcoin and the same with my colleagues in uh, Belarus, in Russia and other states. So, so far, so good. We don't know how it's going to be after because technology is changing, um, capacity of the regimes and their, you know, enormous amount of sources to develop new tools, how to civils uh, around us to, to make surveillance uh, developing. So we don't know how it's going to be in the future, but so far, so good. Okay, perfect. Yeah, because exactly, it's the, the, the approaches are different in the situation in every country. It's like way different because in my case, I, I believe and I think and from so far from what I know, in El Salvador, it was made legal tender because most Salvadorians didn't have access to an abandoned account and Bitcoin can give you that for uh, with a wallet, you know. So that's why and people got yeah. with our wallet immediate access to banking services, to, to bank services. So, and yeah, how do you... But I need to say it's really important that it's come from uh, grassroots. So people should understand that they need it. You cannot put pressure on them to, mm -hmm. to use it. Otherwise, uh, they will assume it's just something, you know, like enforced. So it's really, mm -hmm. really important that education and understanding that you need it to, to use or how you can use it. So it, it should be before they, mm -hmm. they kind of uh, propose to, to do so. Yeah. And how do you see the... Because well, in different regimes, but especially here in Europe, because we're in, in Europe right now. How do you how do you see, especially now that you're very involved, uh, the Bitcoin adoption in the near future, maybe five years, ten years? How do how do you see that? I think it's hard to predict, but um, with upcoming CBDC, more and more people will understand uh, that. <laughs> They don't have other choice at least for the moment maybe someone will invade some even more something better i mean beautiful and more effective than bitcoin we never knows uh, i would love to but so far so good we have for this in, uh, too but funny story that um, mm -hmm. the nobel prize uh person economist who was always saying that you if you don't have uh um, if you don't deal with drugs, if you don't deal with money laundering extremists, you would never be blocked by fin traditional financial system. Just recently, two days ago, he experienced by himself a problem uh, with uh, this, you know, false positive of anti-money laundering country terrorism regulation and his financial instrument was blocked. So everyone around him said, okay, this is the time you need to consider to use Bitcoin so you understand mm -hmm. why it's so important for ordinary people and those who doesn't have this kind of privileges like you to, to use this traditional financial system. Mm. Uh, and I think it's a bright example of what, uh, way, what we are going to face in the future. More and more people, if regulation is not fixed, are going to be just uh, in isolation deprived the right to have uh, and hold the bank account uh, in, in, you know, maintain their financial capacities. Uh, and this is a moment when everyone will start to ask questions, what I can do instead? Uh, from one side. From other side, people really, in a time like now, when uh, you don't know what's going to be the next, uh, where the war is going to expand, yeah. um, you think about future, you think how to cure your future, and uh, you can't just trust building, you can't just trust uh, 
someone's words. You prefer to trust uh, something what you do self-custody. And I think um, self-custody wallets is our future. When we have responsibility for our funds and when we have responsibility for our future and, and for our financial instruments. And this is something what Bitcoin can uh, share. This is something which um, can be as a case study to learn from actually Bitcoin community. Okay, yeah, I, I agree totally. And what are you currently uh, right now working on the something that you can share off with, us, with all, all of us about the Open Dialogue Foundation? What are you currently working right now uh, with that? Um, as I said, we work in a basic, we can say we, we work uh, on three main dimensions for the moment. Mm -hmm. First dimension, of course, uh, a 70 percentage of our um, all attention is about Ukraine and, and to support Ukraine. Um, first of all, those who defend uh, not only Ukrainian's uh, territory, because we defend actually the, the entire European world. Uh, if Russia succeeds to, to, you know, completely occupy Ukraine, they will move uh, further. They will move to other European countries. And um, this, this is the reality of where we are. So this is the first issue. And for this reason, for example, we all six uh, how authoritarian regimes are using sanctions, avoiding sanctions, like for example, you see the report uh, I have with me in the European Parliament, and it says like, Cameron, secrets are like how Kazakhstan, Turkey is helping Putin to circumvent sanctions. You know, that uh, most of regulators speak that uh, crypto assets are used uh, to evade sanctions. This is absolutely bullshit, and when again, uh, we expose it because we say you have the whole dictatorial states with the central banks, which mm -hmm. actually helps Russia for billions, billions dollars to evade circumvent sanctions. And this is reality. There is no way that uh, with the hundreds of billions of uh, dollars, anyone will, will do something uh, in in crypto industry because it's not this market cap. It's it just. There is there is no capacity even for this you know for the moment, uh, uh, for these uh, instruments uh, to, to be used in this kind of way. Uh, yeah. So of course we expose this kind. Of thing. Then we work extensively to have normal instruments uh, both in traditional financial system but also with uh, crypto assets regulation in Europe. And uh, we also work with human rights uh, in um, countries like Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Poland. Uh, we are Russia, also Belarus, where we support civil society activists, opposition leaders, um, human defenders, uh, journalists, bloggers, uh, who basically doing their homework. And again, they need this kind of uh, financial tool like Bitcoin to be able to maintain their activities uh, on the ground. Otherwise, they would uh, no have means uh, at all to, to survive and, uh, you know, to, to, to maintain uh, what they are doing. So this is our priorities for the moment. And um, how we how we move for for what we fundraise, uh, for what we also focus our activities. And uh, are you going to to any Bitcoin conference this year? Maybe in the prayer, I think. Or so yeah, right. To Prague. Prague, yeah. So everyone there, guys, <laughs> I want to see. <laughs> Let's drink. See whatever you drink. Uh, I will be really happy to meet you. Uh, yes, I'm going to be there, but also we do in different kind of mini meetings, uh, you know, in different parliaments in different countries. Um, so 
follow my Facebook, Twitter, whatsoever, or just write me. And if you somewhere where I am, <laughs> <laughs> because we're going to also to to okay. Germany, with okay. different regulator there, and to explain the use cases of uh, Bitcoin and and stable coins uh, for human defenders. My last question is. Uh... Uh, besides that you're going to to Bitcoin conference this year, what do you want to achieve with it in the Bitcoin world right now, especially with your foundation? Do you want to expand it, stay with that, or do you use other... No, I want to expand. I want to collect as much as possible use cases. I want to bring uh, as our allies as much as possible people from community, because as more faces, um, real case studies we show, as more comfortable uh, and easy we, we, you, we do use cases, um, you know, Bitcoin for everyone, it's better. It's just, you know, if we also have a joint to discuss it also with regulators, it's also better. We don't need to wait 30, 40, some, from some kind of years. We just need to do it right now. We need to be... Uh, with a legitimate right to use Bitcoin right now. And we shouldn't allow anyone to deprive us uh, the right to, to use it, you know, or to be in a gray zone. We just, why we should allow someone? We shouldn't. Yeah, exactly. Basically, basically that that's the, that's the main thing, especially education and you see uh, some real use cases uh, in Bitcoin. So, uh, Lamila, I don't, I don't want to take more time to you. <laughs> So th thank you so yeah. much for for your time and thank to you. to speak to us about what you're doing with Open Dialogue and to meet you. It was a pleasure and thank you for being here. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you so much. And sorry you because it was a little bit noisy while I was standing here in the corridor. <laughs> no, no, I know you're working, yeah. so so that's why. <laughs> okay. okay, see you guys. <laughs> see you guys next week. Thank and you. See you. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Please ask. Bye-bye.